Please turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 7. The revelry of Christmas and New Year is gone. Some people will be planning for this Christmas and the next New Year. But what we have started on Sunday morning, the first Sunday of the year last year, is a, a short series on the road to salvation. We need to understand from Scripture what God says about His salvation. And last week we looked from uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that the Apostle Paul there said that there was but one foundation for salvation, and it was Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I want us just uh, to build on that this morning as we come to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, last week we did see that Paul had made a decision. He said, for I determined to know nothing. He, it, was, it was all about Paul's decision. And he departed from the things of the world and he turned to the deliverer, Jesus Christ. And he was encouraging that church at Corinth to do the same, to make Christ the center of everything in their life. And so we start with that as the fundamental building block of salvation, that it is Christ and Christ alone. But let's read together Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Somebody once commented that after all is said and done, more is said than done. In fact, the Bible itself says in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 11, the more the words, the less the meaning. And how does that profit anyone? There is a sense that the modern proverb applies here. The proverb that says, talk is cheap. It's easy to say something, and to say something that covers what is hidden in the depths of our heart. We can say one thing, but feel and believe something that is entirely different. As we come to our passage uh, this morning, uh, what Jesus is doing here is drawing to a close the world's best known sermon. He's finishing the, the Sermon on the Mount, and in the Sermon on the Mount, he'd taught a huge crowd about many things. He'd taught them about the blessings of living for God. He'd taught them how to pray. He'd taught them how to view sin as being both an action but also a wrong desire. And as he closes this most wonderful sermon, Jesus Christ issues a stark and a sober warning to each and every person who was on that hillside, the many, many people. He was telling them, or he would go on to tell them after these verses, to not build on sand, but to, to build on rock. And he cautions everyone who is listening that they are not to just rely 
on what would pass through their lips. And so we look at these three verses today, and we learn from them that our words can deceive us. We learn from this passage that words alone are not enough. The opening words in verse 21 speak to us about the crowd. That's the first heading, the crowd. We're presented here, knowing the background to this sermon, of a great many people who had gathered around on a hillside as Jesus sat down to teach them. They had gathered to hear from this rather different and wonderful person who was teaching like nobody else was teaching out and about the hillside of Palestine. And they're demanding of him, they're pleading of him, teach us more. And Christ responds to them at the end of this sermon with the devastating news that there are people who do not belong to God. There is teaching in this world today that would say every single person will go to heaven. There is teaching that is out there today that would say each and every individual will be saved from sin and will go to eternal life. But that is a false teaching and it is most clear from this passage that not every person will go to heaven. There are certain conditions that must be met for a person to go to heaven. And in this crowd, the crowd that was round about Jesus Christ, the crowd that is gathered in this room this morning perhaps, there were two types of people. And firstly, we see that part of that crowd consisted of those who were left out. It's obvious that there are many people who are saying this, uh, saying this, Lord, Lord, did I not this, did I not that? But there, there are two groups. There is the group who are positively received and accepted by Christ, and then there is the group who are, are rejected. There is a group who are genuine in what they say, and there are a, a group of people who are not genuine in what comes across their mouth. Oh, they have a recognition of Jesus Christ. They even perhaps see him as being special. Even some of them might deign to declare that Jesus was God, but what they were saying was not backed up by what they were believing in their hearts. And so they are rejected. They are turned away. They are spurned. They might have thought that they'd said the right thing. But Jesus here is saying, saying the right thing alone is not enough. Their words did not ring true. I don't know if you've ever had uh, the situation where somebody has given you an apology for something and you know fine well they don't mean it. I looked out of the window uh, on, on Friday morning uh, to see somebody walking their dog across our front garden. And what do dogs do but they stop and they do something on the grass. So I opened the window and I said, excuse me, would you mind not doing that in our front garden? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean for that to happen. The words that came across betrayed by the actions that had taken place. Sometimes what we say isn't matched by what's in our heart. To be accepted by Jesus Christ requires much more than just a form of words. 
It's much more than entering a passcode in. If you go to somewhere that's passcode protected or password protected, you can give that passcode or that password and you will get in because you have met the criteria just by entering that word or series of numbers. But coming to Jesus Christ requires much more than just saying a particular expression of words. Even knowing and believing that Jesus is who he says he is, even knowing that he is the Son of God, is not sufficient. There is something else that is required because in this crowd, yes, there are those who are left out, but we see that there are those who are brought in. The verse, verse 21 continues, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Christ makes it clear here uh, that genuine words will be backed up by a form of lifestyle. Those who truly belong to Jesus will be recognizable because they do particular things. Now, Jesus isn't saying here, if you meet this particular form of service and you, you do that and you give this and you give that, then you'll automatically be saved. He's not saying here that salvation is by works. But what he is saying is that those who speak and say that they belong to Jesus will back it up and will show the truth of that by the way that they live. There is no disconnect between their words and their actions. Oh, it can be so easy to trick people. I once had a friend, and I convinced this friend that I had once been in the SAS, just for a bit of fun, as you do. And I was able to say this, that, and the next thing about it, and they believed it. I had to put them right in the end, but I thought they were more intelligent, that they might have looked at me and seen that I'm really not that fit. That they, they knew me well enough to understand I don't even like heights. This is just a bit too high for me, to be honest. And I certainly don't like the idea of danger. There was a disconnect between my words and who I am. But as Jesus says, there is a group of people who will enter heaven. They will be known because as they're examined and looked at, their life will bear out what their mouth is saying. And so we have to understand the importance of this truth that salvation Salvation that comes from God, salvation that is through Jesus Christ, is much deeper than just reciting a few words. Salvation changes us. It transforms us. Transforms us. God works in us to take us from being one thing and changing us into something that is entirely different. Because those who belong to God are people, as this verse tells us, people who do His will. The people who belong to God, the people who are, are saved, are people who know His law. They are people who, who love His law. They are people who keep His law. And they're not earning their salvation, but they have this evidence in their life that they belong to Jesus Christ. And so let me put it to you this morning, which part of the crowd do you belong to? Are you part of the crowd that says one thing but believes something differently? Or do you believe what you say when you speak of Jesus Christ and you say, Lord, Lord. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be open with ourselves. It's uh, not that we need to concern ourselves speaking to our, our neighbor or who sits in front of us, but with ourselves and before God, we have to assess where we are before him. Are we just paying lip service to the things of the Bible, the things of the church, and we're not genuinely saved? Because what this passage goes on to say, uh, moving on from the crowd, is the claim. Those who are not recognized by Christ have an air of desperation about them. They're saying, Lord, Lord. And as verse 22 begins, Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, there is a day coming 
where every single one of us will stand before Jesus Christ and we will need to give an account of what we have done with him. We will need to say, I've trusted in you, Lord. And it's true, we did trust in him. Or we might say, I trusted in you, Lord, but it wasn't true. Jesus Christ knows. God knows the heart of man. There is a verse in, in the book of, of 1 Samuel uh, where Samuel went to uh, be guided as to who was going to be the second king of Israel. And the sons of Jesse paraded before him and some were, were tall and broad and strong and handsome. And God kept saying, no, it's, it's not him. And eventually they came to a young shepherd boy who was small and puny and, and really uh, lacking where his brothers had not lacked. But God said, this man looks on the outside, but God looks upon what? The heart. And that day will come where we will stand before Jesus and he will look at our heart. He won't look at the record of what we've said. He won't even look at the record of what we have done, but he will look in our heart and see what we have done with him. And the claim that these people make is debunked, it is proven wrong by Jesus because despite their claims we firstly see that salvation is not by speech. Lord, Lord, uh, did we not prophesy in your name? What a great tragedy. They've actually got who Jesus is. They've understood that this is no mere man. They even know that he is God from the use of this word, Lord, and repeating it and saying, Lord, again. Their certainty about who Jesus was was so great. It wasn't just a hunch that they had, but their certainty was so great that they went and, and told others about him. They talked about Jesus Christ. They shared about Jesus Christ. They even point to him and say, here is the Christ. And they're not even doing it for their own benefit. They're not even doing it to look good. They're doing it in his name. They had great motives. They had the right motives. But they lack one thing. Their speech is good. Their motivation is good. But what they're lacking is in, in their heart, they have not trusted in him. They have steadfastly but mistakenly refused to surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you know, it could just be the case for you that you believe that this Jesus of the Bible is the Son of God and yet still not be saved. The Bible tells us this, that even the demons believe. When Jesus came face to face with the demons in the Gospels and as he commanded them to come out or to leave their victims, so many of them did acknowledge who he was and they acknowledged who he was by the very fact that they came out. Demons know who Jesus is. So it's entirely possible to say, yes, Jesus is the Son of God and even believe it and never surrender to him and never be saved. Even knowing the Bible inside out means nothing if it does not cause you to bow your knee before Jesus Christ. Salvation is not by speech. Uh, but the, the tail end of verse 22 tells us that salvation is not by service either. These people, they weren't scared of hard work. They go on to say, Lord, Lord, in your name, we cast out demons. If you go through the Gospels and see how hard it was to cast out demons, you'll understand that they, they weren't scared of stepping up to the plate and attempting to do what was uh, very difficult. 
In fact, in Mark 9, verse 27, the disciples had been out and, and they'd said, we've done much for you, Lord, but here is a demon that we can't cast out. It's just too hard for us. And yet there are people who have not surrendered to Jesus Christ and they're going about in the name of Jesus and they're casting out demons. They're not even doing it for their own glory. They're doing it again in his name for the recognition of who Jesus is. And of course, God was blessing that work that they were doing. And so we cannot even see our service and see it being blessed and say, well, that will get me into heaven. Because God, through the history of Scripture, has used those who did not belong to him. Balaam was used of God. The Babylonians were used of God. You might remember in the book of Habakkuk, how Habakkuk can't quite get his head around the fact that God would use a godless and a profane and a, and a horrible and terrible society to do his will, but God used the Babylonians. God even used a pagan king called Artaxerxes to send Nehemiah back to Jerusalem to build the walls. God can use anybody. But the sad thing for these people is that they believed that what they did was the basis or the reason for them being saved. And so we have to be warned that it is entirely possible that we could be the hardest working person in the church. And that we could be engaged in many great things even for God and not be saved because we are not saved by what we do. The thing is that if you're relying on what you've done to be saved, you're going to be disappointed because those things let you down. God never lets you down. We let ourselves down. But if we are basing our salvation on anything other than Jesus Christ, we will be disappointed. We will be let down. We have to trust in Christ alone. Those who belong to Jesus Christ will serve him. They will do things for him, but that's not what saves them. What saves them is that they have come to Jesus Christ and they have bowed before him. They have surrendered to him. They have seen him as Lord and they have asked for forgiveness for their sin. And they have trusted in Jesus to have that forgiveness for sin applied to their lives. We are only saved through Christ. So this morning, please don't think that church attendance will save you. That reading your Bible every day will save you, that good works will save you, that charitable giving will save you, that being a good person will save you. None of these things can save you. But let me tell you who will save you, and it is Jesus Christ. So don't base your eternal future on the claims of your lips of your life. Base your eternal future on Jesus Christ alone. Because as we come into verse 23, Moving on from the crowd, from the claim, we see that there is the challenge. Christ makes it plain to these people the position that they are in. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't try and soften the blow. He tells it as it is. And he says, you're not accepted, you're rejected. You're not welcome, but you're cast out. You are not true disciples, you are false ones. And the challenge is, is laid before them. And the challenge is this, that they are to know Christ properly. Because verse 23 says this, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. The people will have, will have had their chance on that day of judgment to have made their claims. 
And the moment has come when their protests are silenced. Their mouths are closed. Their arguments have faltered and failed. And what Jesus Christ does now is he makes a definite and an eternally lasting statement, I never knew you. He tells them how it is, but he's also telling them how it will always be. His rejection of them will be final and it will be terrible. They, they might have thought that they knew him, but he's saying that he doesn't know them. And their misplaced trust comes home to roost. And it's too late for them when they realize just how foolish they have been. These are dire consequences to have Christ say to us, I never knew you. I've painted a very, very black picture. These things are not easy to hear. But just as that picture is black, and let me tell you, I, I, I'm not overemphasizing it. The picture is definitely dark. But there is hope. Because at the moment we are breathing, we are thinking, we are living. This thing this judgment, this matter has not become final for you. The challenge is plain. Know Jesus Christ properly, truly. Put your trust in Christ alone. Forget everything else and focus on knowing who Jesus is and focus on knowing him and surrendering to him and coming to him. Don't believe anything else can help you. If you've been mistaken before, you have an opportunity right now to put it right. There is that saying, where there is life, there is hope. While you have life, you have hope. Hope in Christ. And so take that opportunity and come to him now while you have that chance. Because you can be 100% certain that he will accept you. That brings us to the last part of our passage. The consequence. And we have to be aware of the consequence. The people are not just left with a stinging rebuke in their ear. They're not just left embarrassed because they have been foolish. There is a real, a terrible, and a lasting consequence for their mistake. And it is this, they're cast out for eternity. We read it in Psalm 6, as the psalmist David there said to those around him, depart from me. But here it has a much stronger impact, as Jesus says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The consequence is clear, it's uncomplicated, but it's definite and it is unbearable. These people will be removed from the presence of Christ. They won't have a right of appeal. They won't have a, a, a second chance. There will not be a miscarriage of justice in this. And Christ will tell each and every person who has never trusted in him to leave and enter into a lost eternity. Their choices and their actions are condemned. 
Their deeds have been evaluated for what they truly are and they have been found wanting. Their speech has been analyzed and nowhere in their speech is anything found that would stave off this sentence. And the time has come, indeed it is even gone, that their opportunity to trust in Christ has vanished. It has been passed over. And they are said and they are told, depart from me you who practice lawlessness. What an incredible thing for Christ to say, those who have proclaimed his name, those who have uh, cast out demons and performed miracles, he says, you've practiced lawlessness because you have never trusted in me. Is this the consequence that is waiting you this morning? To be told to leave, to depart from Christ. If you had to stand before Jesus Christ this instant, what would his final words to you be? Because there will be no escape. You know, in our courts, we have clever lawyers who no matter how badly behaved somebody has been, no matter what crime they have committed, uh, the lawyer can stand up in court and can uh, speak in such a way, dare I say, even manipulate things in such a way, uh, and that person will escape justice. When we stand before Jesus Christ, there is not a lawyer in existence who can change that outcome from, for us. But let me tell you about the advocate who will stand and speak on our behalf if we would only trust in him. You see, the Bible describes Christ as our advocate. And what is an advocate? But somebody who speaks on behalf of another person. And when we trust in him and we stand there in judgment, Christ will say, do not punish this person because I've taken that punishment for them. And that is where we will be if we trust in Jesus Christ. Free from the judgment, free from the sentence, free from the condemnation because Christ has borne it all. So let me urge you this morning, do not go and face this consequence. You know the truth of what Scripture says. And no matter what you might say to others, you know this morning where it is you stand before God. So grasp what it is you must do. And do it now. These things are not to be delayed or put off. Let me tell you that one of my great problems with certain things is procrastination. I'll leave it until tomorrow. I said to Lorna on Friday night, my car needs washed. It's filthy. I'll do it tomorrow. Saturday's been and gone. Look in the car park and you'll see what color my car is. I never got around to it. There was once a coming together of the demons in hell. And they were concerned because the gospel message was out there. People were rejecting Satan and they were turning to Christ. And the demons were very concerned about it. They wanted to please Satan. And so the chief demon uh, got folks together and said, right, what can we do to stop people trusting in Jesus Christ? 
And one said, tell them there's no such thing as sin. And the demons thought about it and said, no, that won't wash. People know that there's such a thing as sin. They might pretend there's not. They might think that everything is okay to do, but in their hearts, they know that there is sin. Another demon said, well, tell them that Jesus really isn't the Son of God. And they, they, they got together and they thought, is this a good idea? And eventually they came to the conclusion that no, that wouldn't work because ultimately people will see that there is something about Jesus Christ that is different from other men. And the youngest demon who was in the corner tentatively put his hand up and his wee voice squeaked out, I've got the answer. Of course, he was laughed at because he had no experience as a demon. And he said, no, no, just hear me. Tell them it's, it's true. Tell them all that it's true, that there is sin, that there is salvation. Tell them it's all true. And all of a sudden, he gets this torrent of abuse. How, how, how will that work? And he said, no, no, just, just hear me to the end. Tell them it's true. But tell them that they don't need to do anything about it until tomorrow. Because you know what? Tomorrow never comes. This consequence hangs over us. If we're not in Christ, this consequence hangs over us. And the most dangerous and frightening thing that you could do is leave dealing with it until later. Do it now. Because when we do it now, when we come to Christ, when we ask for his forgiveness, we are saved not tomorrow, not next week, we are saved this instant. No question about it, no doubt about it. When we come to Christ, we are saved. And so in this road to salvation, we see that the basis for it, the foundation for it is Jesus Christ. But we have to understand that words are not enough. What we say we are is not enough. It is what is in our hearts that truly matters. Is your heart right before God today? Has your heart surrendered to Jesus Christ? Are you doing much more than simply speaking a few words? Surrender to Him. Trust in Him as Lord and Savior and you will be saved. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for Scripture. Because in Scripture you speak to us. Not through any medium, not through any other person, but this is your inspired and holy word. And Father, we simply see the truth in it today. That just what we say is not sufficient. We have to actively and definitively trust in Jesus. Oh, help us. These things are not straightforward. They're not easy for us. We don't give up straight away. But, oh Lord, you can break us down. You can lead us to the cross. You can turn and fix our eyes upon Jesus. And so we pray this morning that in this gathering, in this building, that should there be any heart that remains lost in sin, that they will turn and surrender to Christ and know this very day that they belong to a Savior, they belong to God 
and that they have received eternal life. This is not the work of a preacher. This is not the work of a church, but this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And may he move and may he work in great power here today. We give all the glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who died to save us. He is the one who shed his blood to wash away our sin. And so as we exalt his name, Father, may we know him ever better and may we walk closer by his side. For we pray all of this in his precious, most beautiful, most holy name, that name that is Jesus. Amen.